Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions and the CareerPod team. This episode should provide you with valuable career information and insights. We're speaking with Andrea Kokolka, the founder and principal advisor at Illumination Center. Andrea is a spiritual advisor who also is a healing medium and I think I'd like to learn a little bit more about the nature of your work. Yeah, that's great. I'd love to share. Okay. Well, I call myself a healing medium because I do both, and it's kind of my favorite thing in the world to do. Okay. I like to tell people that I hear dead people, and it's kind of fun. It's, okay. it's more than just kind of fun, but that's how I started. I had a friend whose brother passed and I had known him since he was six years old and when he passed and he started talking to me and started tapping me on the shoulder and saying call my sister I paid attention (laughs) okay and when he kept coming and one sister would come then the other sister would come his mother would come his wife would come I finally spoke with almost his entire family, and then his message to me was, you need to do this for other people. That's great. Now, without getting into too much detail, what were you hearing? Uh, well, each each message was different for each one of them. Okay. Um, there were, for for Jimmy in particular, there were apologies he wanted to make. There were reassurances that he wanted to uh, bring forward. Yeah. But the theme was how much he loved everyone. That's great. We'll talk more about that, Andrea, but I'd like to learn a little bit about your your early life and educational preparation. Well, when I was a kid, I knew things, things that I shouldn't know. And I was always really curious. You know, I had the Ouija board, the whole nine yards. Right, right. The adults around me would tell me, oh, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true, to the point where I finally, I put it aside. And then as I got older, in my um, mid to late 20s, it came bubbling up again, and I I couldn't stop. My dreams were coming true. Uh, I was knowing things that were going to happen beyond just simple things, beyond knowing who was on the other end of the phone. Okay. Um, so I started taking classes, and my education in this began in uh, the late 80s. I started teaching my so the, before internet, before any of this, right? Before podcasts, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I went to bookstores, libraries. I went to wherever I could find information, and luckily, I was living on the Cape at the time. And Cape Cod Community College, a metaphysical class. That was my first real life class that I took. And, and it, it was called metaphysics? It was a metaphysics class at Cape Cod Community College in 1990. Yeah. Okay. I was very happy yeah. about that. It gave you sort of a feeling like there's something concrete here and I should continue it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Because it all made sense to me. It, it helped me to make sense of things. And if I may, my um, in 1989, a man named Gary Zukoff wrote the book, The Seat of the Soul. 
I read that book when it came out, and that is what changed my life. That's amazing. I would reread it every couple of years because every, you know, as you progress and as you learn things, you find that you have a new batch of questions. <laughs> That's when you know that you are just in it. Whatever the whatever the subject is that sparks you. That's the thing. Do you have more questions? Yes. Do you have more questions? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So tell us a little bit about how you created this into a practice. Like what like you know, I, I think about like, like a psychologist or like a dentist. You know, it's sort of a services practice. And uh, tell right. us a little bit how how you uh, formulated that. So I, in the meantime, I had been taking Reiki courses. I started my first Reiki class in 1994. So I went on to become a Reiki master. And the two of these, the mediumship and the Reiki, really worked hand in hand. I do know about Reiki, but I think the listener may not understand Reiki. Could you just define that? Yes. Um, Reiki was developed in 1920s. A man named Mikio Yuzui, who was a monk, went up into the mountains for a 21-day fast and meditation. And on the last day, his meditation took him to this space where he received this great big light. And this light just came right into his whole body. And this light, he knew within the moment that he received that light, that it was a spiritual opening. He didn't know until he was coming down the mountain and he heard himself that it was also a healing because instinctually what we do when we hurt ourselves is we we stop and we place our hands on whatever it is that hurts, right? Right. Well, he felt this amazing heat come from his hands. And he knew as his foot was feeling better and better and better that it healed him, that it was the light that he received just moments ago that came through his hands and healed him. He was touching his, or someone was touching his body in a certain way. Right. He was doing it himself, but he didn't realize it until it was complete. And that's what, that's what changed our world now. That, that one moment when he hurt his foot has changed everything for us. Less than 100 years later. Yeah. So continue uh, your, your Reiki development and moving into the, to the uh, medium idea. Uh, okay, so we go through the process. There are levels of Reiki, and you take the first course, the second course, and the third course is the master level. And then you can go on and become a Reiki master teacher. Okay. I have done that, and I personally have been teaching Reiki since 2012. I have, I think, four or five different Reiki master certificates. So you can take Yuzui, I I have Yuzui, Shambhala, and Holy Fire. Okay. And as time changes and your own vibration changes, you may go from one practice to another practice to another, which is what I did. Yeah. Okay, depending on the client's need? um, Well, I have found that the people that need Holy Fire Reiki are the people that come to me. There are so many of us. There's enough for everyone. And everyone 
is attracted to who possesses what it is they need. Sure. Describe uh, uh, just a visit, someone coming to you for the Holy Fire, Reiki. Do you do this uh, at a studio? Do you do it at your home? And what do you do, basically, and how long does it take? <laughs> okay. Uh, many practitioners have offices in their homes. Okay. I have a center on Main Street in Mansfield. I have this lovely center uh, with three rooms for healing. We use a massage table, so people lay down on the table, fully clothed. Okay. And they go into this beautifully relaxed, almost a meditative state. Okay. Some of my clients do meditate while the work is being done. It can be a half an hour or it can be an hour. Okay. And the energy flows. So the person lays comfortably and the practitioner typically uses their hands. It can be touched. It can be above the body. depends on the practitioner. Okay. We always ask, do you mind? Is it okay if I touch you? And it doesn't matter whether they're touched or not because the energy is still moving. It's a beautiful thing. Do you then segue into the medium role? Or how does that work? I have my clients set up one or the other. I can do an hour of healing work, and it can be Reiki or it can be other things too. There's so many healing modalities. Or they can set up for a mediumship reading, and I, I call those readings. But it's mediumship, sure. and it ultimately brings through your loved ones that have passed on. So the medium endeavor, could you, uh, just like you explained, Reiki, could you explain to the listeners uh, how you do a medium session? Well, we begin just sitting down at the table like you and I are speaking now. Sure. That's that's my intention when I have a client sitting at my table. Sometimes I pull a couple cards. What I have learned over the years of doing this is that whoever is coming in to visit with this live person in front of me are the people that are guiding them through what is going on in their lives at this time. Okay. So you may or may not get exactly who you intended. But the people like our, our, um, our siblings or our parents, they will come. But then you get those surprise guests, like maybe your mom's best friend who was always having fun. She'll pop in because you're not having enough fun. (laughs) (laughs) They want to remind you, get out there and enjoy life. Yes, that's fantastic. When you say you, you pull a couple of cards, are you talking about tarot cards? Yes, I um. I've got a vast collection of tarot cards, but there are three decks that I tend to use the most. And I typically will pull three cards in the very beginning of the session because I want to focus on what it is that they're going through now. I I like to ask them, why did you come in today? What brought you through my door today? Sure. So we start there. And then whoever comes in to help with that very thing is who they needed to talk to that day. So, Andrea, how are you compensated for your time and valuable advice? So if anyone were to go onto my site, they'd see the vast menu of what we offer. 
how long a session is, and the compensation. So it can be anywhere from a half an hour for a healing modality at $65 to a three-day class where they can learn what we teach or a sure. six-month class. And, and anything is possible. Or it can be uh, um, mentoring hour and a half, hour. Sure. That's reasonable, I think. Uh, and what's nice about that m uh, model is it's flexible. You can be a one visit, or I'm sure you have clients who come back and you get repeat visits. Oh, yes. I have many clients that have been coming to me for years. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, something just occurred to me, um, and I want to put it this way. You know, we all have issues in our life. We all have positive and negative things. Some of us have more positives and less negatives, but my philosophy is there will be negatives along the way, and, and uh, dealing with those can be important. But to your client base, uh, uh, is your base uh, focused on sort of people with deep and sustained problems, or could it be someone who is just happy, positive, going through life, but sort of has a, is curious about this. Um, okay. There are those that come to seek us out because they're trying to heal the traumas that have happened in their lives. Sure. And there are those that come for maintenance. They want to stay in balance. And we cater to whatever it is they need. Sometimes people, well, quite often people come in and they don't know what they want. They sure. only know that they need some help. So we do a little intake. We figure out what can happen for them, what they need. We have a little conversation, and we read their energy first, and then we go in. When you're reading a person, and it becomes very obvious to you that the person has some kind of a, another medical or psychological problem that's beyond your healing capability, mm -hmm. uh, or can be used in conjunction with your healing capability, do you refer them out? Always. Always. I have a very good friend who has a counseling business, and okay. she has a few offices. I keep her business cards in my office so that I can give them out. Okay. I also make sure that people are seeing their doctors regularly. Okay. I was actually the um, Reiki consultant at Boston Children's Hospital where we did a study on the effects of Reiki on stress. So I do encourage people to have their medical life and their spiritual life working together. Go to the doctor, come to me. Do both of these things together and stay in balance. Sure. You used the word balance uh, a few times. Um, mm. Just Could you just explain, you know, the idea of balance? Sure. We, I believe that each individual, as you say, we go from highs and lows. We have really good parts of our lives. We have trouble that comes in and out. And yeah. even even a conversation with someone can set us off balance. 
and it's up to us to put ourselves back into check. And not everybody has the ability to do that that easily. I teach okay. them how to do that. I they come into me. I put them back in the balance. We have energy centers within our body, and I like to check into these energy centers, and I'm looking for spaces that are low. The energy is low. The energy is high, hot, cold, just generally not all the same. Right. And by you by putting them back into balance, I'm putting the energy of the entire physical being into balance, making sure that everything's the same, you know, so nothing's hot or cold or uh, more energy here or less energy there. Sure. Can you make that judgment like more or less on the spot during during the uh, consultation? Do you mm-hmm. see and, and you would ask the client, do you feel more balanced? And they would give you feedback. Um, yes. Okay. But honestly, I can tell you, I don't need to ask. I can feel <laughs> their energy right away. I can tell exactly where they're out of balance. Typically, when somebody walks through my door, I can tell yeah. if their knee is bothering them or their back is bothering them. I can tell where they're holding their stress. I just go to work. Cause too often, we get messy, which I love in a human. That's that's what we do. Humans are messy. And okay. sometimes it's really hard to tell exactly what's going on or where this particular ache is coming from. You know, I treat the, I like to say I treat the issue, not the symptom. That's a great way to put it. Uh, you're getting it at the cause, more or less. Yeah. Because yeah. everything that happens in our physical body comes from the emotional state. You know, I've heard it said that uh, people are, are sick. It's because they feel that way because something is bothering them spiritually or emotionally. So you sort of prescribe that type of a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's great. The client base, uh, are there any challenges in sort of keeping them educated, giving them new ideas, giving yourself new ideas in your practice. Uh, Could you uh, speak to that? My clients will tell you that I like to give homework. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I will often um, remind them to do this or to do that. Uh, The one thing that I recommend the most is simple breathing exercises to keep people all the way into their bodies so that people are present. Right. I like to say that if you're not in your body, you can't change your body. Sure. I I understand that. Uh, I myself have done some some of this type of meditation, uh, and Mm. uh, I understand exactly what you're talking about. And I think more and more people are doing yoga where meditation mm-hmm. can be a part of that. And, and uh, being in the moment is, is fantastic. So uh, sort of being sensitive to things, to being aware of, of something. And this is heightened by, if you can practice, you can you can get better at this. And if you're present fully in your body, you're right. more likely to 
be able to remain neutral so that you can feel what is real and not be susceptible to other people's reality as opposed to what truly is solid and real. It's a a tough balance, really, to remain neutral. Okay. In terms of um, satisfaction, you've been doing this work for a number of years. Uh, generally, what where do you find the best uh, satisfaction in, in doing this work? I'm a bit of a womb specialist. So my favorite satisfaction yeah. is being able to help women to get pregnant. That's interesting. Andrea, that came out of left field. But that, that's Sorry, a, surprise. That's, yeah, that's a great business. Uh, have you been successful with that? Oh, I've been very successful, yes. There have been many phone calls and and pictures. My, my favorite, favorite thing was sure. when a woman out of the blue just sent me a picture of a pregnancy strip, and it was positive. And that just... It almost made me cry. I was so happy for her. That's fantastic. I mean, talk about satisfying, uh, you know, work. Now, has anyone ever sort of invited you uh, over their home to see the little baby? I have met a few of them, yes. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Also, uh, you know, the flip side of satisfaction can be frustration, and we know uh, there's probably some of that uh, in this work. Could you describe that a little? Well, I have two different kinds of frustrations. Uh, okay. One is with a client who really doesn't want to get better. And there, right. it, surprisingly, there are quite a few people that just, they're comfortable. They're used to what they've been going through. Oh, so that, they've adapted to it more or less. Yeah, so that's yeah. up to them. And, um, you know, I'll see them a couple times. And it's, once I realize that they're not really looking to get better or to right. put it, whatever the issue is behind them, then I let them go. The frustration that I think most people in my industry feel is that we are doing it all. So we're doing the practice. We're working with people. That's the part we love. And many of us have our frustration levels hit when we do the back end, you know, the 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 marketing, okay. the newsletters and all of that. That's not our forte. <laughs> sure. Unless you come from a marketing background, it, it tends to not be our strong points. Sure. So you're talking about um, this endeavor as a business now, uh, when you talk about mm-hmm. marketing and, and, and uh, you know, and the industry, that's fantastic. Is this a large industry? And uh, are there like chain operations that do this or is it all individual practitioners? You know, that's a really, really good question. I don't know of any chain industries that do this. Like there's Massage Envy. They're a big right. chain that does massage and such. But I don't know of an industry that does healing work that way. Okay. That might be something that is coming. I know that the industry is growing. Let's put it that way. And there are a lot more healers coming to the surface now. We're becoming sure. more mainstream. Yeah. Thank you for that uh, 
for that explanation on satisfaction and frustration. Um, <laughs> now, my next question, uh, I think, is a really important one, uh, Andrea, because I think it's going to bring out the people who really have a natural spark, a practitioner mm-hmm. that really somehow has this magic, I'll call it, to help people versus someone who, you know, doesn't. If someone is considering doing this type of work, is there any preparation or, or is there any test to see if they could be effective as a medium? Um, my recommendation is to find yourself a really good teacher, mentor, someone okay. who's patient, someone who knows what they're doing, someone who's been doing it for a while, and someone who, someone who's really willing to do the work with you. There are okay. many people that do the work, but not everyone's meant to be a teacher of it. Sure. Have you done uh, the teaching aspect as well? I have, yeah. And it's a slow process. You can't become either a healer or a medium overnight or even in a month. It's something that you learn. Although I will say a lot of people are born mediums. I was a born medium. I know a lot of people that were born mediums. But even the born mediums like myself took classes. You need to learn how to hone, hone it, hone your skills. Sure. Uh, what comes to my mind is uh, different people have different skills and and, mm. and different sort of proclivities. And whether it's music or whether it's writing or whether it's athletics, sometimes it'll come to them when they're young and they'll they'll start doing it. Uh, is that a good reading of what's going on here? Yeah, I think it really is. And through classes or through coaching. Well, through their own personal development, uh, you know, they'll bring themselves up to up to where they're uh, a violinist in a major symphony orchestra, uh, really being, you know, very masterful at what they do. Somehow, I think that, that Reiki master selection that you mentioned that, that it made me think of that. Mm-hmm. Like in any other industry, you got to be careful where you throw the word master around, because there's okay. always someone better than each and every one of us. We call Supermaster. Yeah. (laughs) So as long as we keep an open mind to learning something in addition to, I think we're in great shape. In terms of sort of a traditional college, high school academic and then a college major, off the top of your head, uh, would there be one or two majors that tend to fit really well into this field? Well, recently, in the last five or so years, you can actually get a major, uh, you can get a master's now in metaphysics. Okay. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Either was I until recently. The last five years, I'm seeing that come come to the surface. There's a school in Rhode Island uh, that comes to mind that has a master's in metaphysics. Yeah, it, so we're becoming more and more mainstream. If you're if you have a degree in counseling, that really helps because a lot of a lot of my clients are troubled. And like I said before, right. I believe that our physical issues come from mental and spiritual 
issues. So just sure. tap into what the problem is. Uh, is Andrea, I want to just, uh, to, in the spirit of helping someone who's mm-hmm. doing a career pod and is considering this field, I'd like to, uh, if you're comfortable with it, would you be able to uh, give out your, your email address or your website, maybe your website? And what would that be? Illuminationcenter.us. Dot us? Did you say U.S.? Correct. Dot oh, U.S. Mm-hmm. And they can learn a little bit about your your practice and a little bit about the field, if they're considering uh, moving into this field. Sure. That, sounds like, and that sounds like it will be a good start. It is. We all have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. In terms of... Uh, you know, advice you would give to others who were considering entering this field? Are there one or two really important pieces of advice that you would give? I would. The two things I would say is to do your own research first. Okay. Because it's such a wide field, find where you want to start. Some people want to start with mediumship. Some people want to start with healing. Some people want to start with tarot cards. Find what it is that sparks your interest. And the second right. piece of advice is to find the right teacher. To check and make sure that their vibration matches your vibration. Okay, that's well said. One last question, Andrea. You know, what role has luck, either good luck or bad luck, played in your career? Well, let me twist that a little bit. <laughs> sure, that's fine. I, with what I do for work and my life in general, I don't see it so much as luck as my spirit guides. Opening doors for me here and opening doors for me there and closing doors. Or maybe I've gotten into something that doesn't serve me and they guide me out of that. If I'm open to listening to my guides, I don't need luck. (laughs) (laughs) Your spiritual guides, that is your luck. In a a sense. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Andrea, uh, I just want to thank you for your insightful look into the field of spiritual advising. Uh, Your excellent explanation um, of, of, you know, this profession uh, would be of great value to someone considering... uh, entering this field. I just want to uh, thank you again. I hope that uh, you've gotten some rewards uh, out of doing this uh, session. And uh, based on, you know, our business and career pod, we just want to thank you again. I am very grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Gary. You have a great day. You too.